Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 65, and I'm drinking Cointreau. With each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose Cointreau for this episode because it's a very popular orange liqueur, and I've always planned to feature it eventually. I was also looking for what I'd call an easy episode that I could produce without needing to schedule an interview with anybody from a brand, and since Cointreau has been so consistent over the years, I knew I could gather everything I needed from existing sources. Also, I'm not sure if I've ever had it neat, so I went ahead and grabbed a bottle. But getting a bottle? Well, I was almost out of luck, because for whatever reason, my home state of Oregon, which is a control state, is apparently sold out of triple sec, Cointreau included. All that was left on the shelves of the liquor store I visited was a 1.75 liter of Grand Marnier or the little 375 milliliter bottle of Cointreau that was tucked away on the shelf behind the cash register. I was able to get that bottle for this tasting, so that's what I've got. So this bottle I have is Cointreau, 375 milliliters. It is 40% alcohol by volume, making it 80 proof, and it retails for $23. The bottle itself is trademarked, more on that in a bit, but it's square, an orange-amber color, and it features a mostly white front label with nearly all the text in French, and I'll spare you, my listener, with my attempts to pronounce it in French. The English translation is the unique, subtle, and natural harmony of sweet and bitter orange peels. House founded in 1849, Angers, France. Cointreau is in all caps in an orange foil ribbon at the top of the label. Above this is a small round label on the shoulder with 1849 in it that overlays a red ribbon that goes from the front label up to underneath the collar of the orange screw cap closure. The bottle is molded with an indention for the labels. The sides of the bottle are slightly indented with a molded signature on each side, and the back label is also white. It contains a brief description of the spirit, bold text for product of France, and the obligatory legal notices. Regardless of the size of bottle you get, they're all the same basic shape and design. Okay, so let's go ahead and taste it. All of the spirits I taste on Liquor & Liqueur Connoisseur, I do so neat, which is straight out of the bottle, room temperature, no dilution, no ice. I use a clean Glencairn glass. A Glencairn is a whiskey nosing glass. It allows you to get a good look at the spirit, swirl it around a bit, get a good nosing, and enjoy it. So here we go. Got a screw cap. And we'll go for a pour. In the glass, it's entirely clear. And on the nose, it's pure orange. Just just pure orange. It's zesty yet sweet. Let me try it again. <coughs> I don't think it's the ethanol that caught me. I think it's just the really punchy orange oil in it. Uh, Wow. Literally, when you get a whiff of this, it smells exactly like a fresh orange peel that you've just expressed the oils right out like you would do on top of a cocktail where you get that little spritz of the essential oils coming right out of the peel. That's exactly what this wonder of a clear liquid smells like. And now for a taste.
orange, obviously very orange. There's other citrus in it, maybe. You get a sense of lemon, but it's just, it's all pure orange. Zesty is how I'd describe it. It's rather punchy. It's sweet without being syrupy. It's rather dry. That's where the, the sec comes in from triple sec. More on that in a bit. But yeah, it is orange, pure liquid orange essence. Hint of a underlying maybe almondy flavor in the finish. But wow. I mean, if you've ever just like really chewed on a fresh orange peel, that's what Cointreau tastes like. Okay, let's try it again. You can feel the proof. This is 80 proof. It's the same proof as most vodka. So it's got some kick to it. Zesty though, and really bright, vivid, crisp orange. That's how I describe it on the palate. A little bit of maybe an almondy finish, which is rather odd, but it is really orange without being overly sweet. So now on to the history. Cointreau is synonymous with orange liqueur, and triple sec in particular, but it wasn't always that way. Cointreau, like many old world spirits brands, is a family name and a French one at that. The date prominently featured on the bottle, that being 1849, is also a little misleading when referring to Cointreau today. Yes, it's correct that the House of Cointreau was founded in 1849, but the distillery didn't start off making orange liqueur. In fact, what we know as Cointreau today didn't come around until a quarter of a century later after the founding, in 1875. Cointreau was founded by two brothers, Edouard Jean and Adolphe Cointreau in Angers, France, in the heart of the Loire Valley, a part of the world famous for liqueurs, with many I featured on this podcast being made there today. The Cointreau family was originally confectioners, but with the bounty of local fruits, they decided to get into the liqueurs business and establish their distillery. Their first product was a resurrection of a historic recipe for Guillaulet cherry liqueur, which enjoyed immediate success. From this first effort, they expanded to other fruit liqueurs and soon began producing upwards of 50 different varieties of fruit liqueurs. Orange liqueur, or Curacao, was one of these, and the first appearance in Cointreau company records is in 1857. Curacao is the original orange liqueur, and as I mentioned in episode 40 on Grand Marnier, it dates back to the 1600s. In the same year the distillery was founded, Edouard Jean Cointreau's son, Edouard Cointreau, was born. This was the boy who would grow up to invent Cointreau Triple Sec as a young man in 1875. The brand lore says young Edouard grew up in the distillery alongside the master distillers as they worked. This is probably true. The family business would have played a huge role in his life. As a young adult, it said he took an interest in the popularity of Curacao, which was commonly brown and quite sweet, and may have contained additional herbs and spices beyond bitter orange peels. He seems to have taken it upon himself to improve Curacao, with a goal of making a clear version that was less sweet, and ultimately invented what we know as triple sec. Now, the name triple sec is claimed by Cointreau, but another French distiller, Combier, also lays claim to triple sec's invention. Combier's triple sec will get an episode of its own in due time, but from the Cointreau perspective, triple sec as a name is derived from there being three times more aroma and less sugar, or referred to as dry, compared to other orange liqueurs. Dry translates to sec in French, so it's triple dry. 
The origin of the name is disputed, but Cointreau did launch their orange liqueur as Triple Sec in 1875. Or did they? The thing is, I've seen two different accounts of dates, both from Cointreau themselves. A history video I'll link in show notes on YouTube lists 1875, yet the website currently lists 1885 with 1875 simply being the year Edouard Cointreau took over the family business with his wife. So there's truth in there somewhere. The date of 1875 is the most commonly referenced online, so we can just go with that. Edouard Cointreau is quoted as saying, I have researched this liqueur with great passion. I wanted it to have crystal purity and a fine, subtle taste, thanks to the perfect harmony of bitter and sweet orange peel. And it's said that Edouard Cointreau's recipe for triple sec has remained unchanged to this day. But there's more to the story of how Cointreau became a bar staple and global brand. Because of the growing popularity of the spirit and copycats, Edouard Cointreau registered the trademark for the name, the recipe, and the distinctive bottle in 1885. But again, we come into dancing around about dates. One Cointreau source states they won an award at a World's Fair in Paris in 1878 and another Cointreau source says they won an award at a World's Fair in Paris in 1889. Well, there were World's Fairs in Paris in both years, so it seems reasonable that Cointreau would have entered their triple sec into competition at both. In 1893, they participated in the World's Fair in Chicago, the first foray into the U.S. for the brand. But perhaps my favorite thing Cointreau can claim, and there's no dispute on this date, is that in 1899, they had the first ever film advertisement for a product produced by the Lumiere brothers. This early film ad introduced a character named Perrault, who to me looks a bit creepy, but that's likely not how French audiences viewed him at the end of the 1800s. Perrault was a guy dressed in all white, rather flowing garments actually, with a frilly collar and a white hat and white face makeup. He even wore white gloves and had spectacles on. He looks a bit like a clown in the artwork I've seen, but all I can think of is he looks like the inspiration for Marlon Brando's character in the terrible, unfortunately, 1996 movie The Island of Dr. Moreau, based on an adaptation of the 1896 novel of the same name by H.G. Wells. But Cointreau's Perot character seems to have been innocent enough as he was the brand mascot for 50 years until 1950. Back to the beginning of the 1900s. In 1903, they launched an advertising car featuring a large rendition of the Cointreau bottle on the back. Cars were still rather novel in 1903, and the concept of an advertising car for a spirit, while maybe not the first ever, was certainly one of the earliest. Cointreau gets its first mention in early cocktail books in 1913, yet more will follow in the coming decades. It was in these early years of the 20th century that triple sec was diminished on the label and then removed altogether in favor of Cointreau as the product name. The first bottle label had triple sec in the placement of the word Cointreau today, but to differentiate themselves from inferior triple sec products, the family name became the product name. In 1923, Edouard Cointreau, the inventor of the product, dies. But his sons, Louis and André, take over and put a focus on international expansion, moving into the United States, presumably after Prohibition is repealed, followed by the rest of the world. By 1972, the brand had grown enough to warrant opening a new distillery. Arguably, the biggest change came in 1989 when Cointreau merged with Remy Martin to form Remy Cointreau. As a publicly traded company, this spelled the end of family ownership. 
but not family involvement. As of 2011, the sixth generation of the Quantro family, Alfred Quantro, was named brand ambassador and heritage manager. Quantro sells somewhere around 10 to 11 million 9-liter equivalent cases annually, give or take, depending upon the year. The Remy Quantro Group has seen sales increase in recent fiscal quarters as the global pandemic eased in some parts of the world. So that's pretty much the brand story. Now let's talk about how it's made. Cointreau is a product of France. It's said to be made with the same recipe created by Edouard Cointreau all those years ago. It's a blend of bitter and sweet orange peels, water, neutral beet alcohol, and sugar. The orange peels come from Brazil, Spain, and Northern Africa. Each year, based upon seasonality, they buy peels from various sources to get the consistent flavor of Cointreau. I wonder, though, if some techniques are original or not. They very well may be, but some processes I'll reference had been around before, particularly in the perfume industry. I have the blog Alcademics to thank for insight into production based on a tour of the distillery in 2011 and a follow-up conversation with the master distiller at the time in 2012. According to Alcademics, bitter and sweet orange peels are purchased from Brazil, Africa, and Spain. The dried peels, along with some fresh peels, are macerated overnight in 96% neutral sugar beet alcohol and water, and it's placed into the stills. The peels are said to sit on a plate to make them easier to remove. After maceration, the mixture is distilled from large, cylindrical copper pot stills that feed into a second still across the room via a long, arched line arm. There is a small horizontal feedback or reflux pipe connecting the two stills as well, so some redistillation may occur. The second still is a column still, and after that distillation is complete, the look here is pretty much done, except for bringing it to bottling proof. However, with the high concentration of essential oils from the orange peels, the clear spirit will louche like absinthe or experience spontaneous emulsification. When water is added and the oils come out of suspension in the high-proof spirit, the liqueur would become cloudy. However, Cointreau is clear, so to solve this louche or this cloudiness, they run the product through a centrifuge to remove some of the essential oils. It happens to be the lightest oils are the ones they remove, which they say are the ones that are the most zesty. And if they didn't do this, beyond having a cloudy product, they'd have a product that would be overwhelmingly zesty and unbalanced from the juicy notes the sweet orange peels add. But that's about it for the process. Comes down to careful sourcing, a great recipe, and sticking to a process that works and is repeatable. So now on to cocktails and consumption. Perhaps the most famous cocktail that originally called for a Cointreau is in the margarita. Like most cocktails, the true origin is up for debate, but the first written recipe calling the margarita a margarita appears in a very rare book, The School of Bartending. This book was published in 1952, and this called for Cointreau by name. Nowadays, often less expensive generic versions of triple sec are substituted margaritas, but Cointreau should be considered the original. The same is true for the sidecar, with the first printed recipe dating back to 1922 calling for a Cointreau by name. But modern drinkers may be more familiar with the Cosmopolitan, a cocktail invented in 1988 featuring Cointreau. As well as being an established brand of liqueur with a strong export market, Cointreau was featured in early cocktail books and is called out by name in many historic volumes published post-prohibition. Contemporary cocktail books and bartenders still call for Cointreau in many cocktail recipes, 
and it's worth using. Cointreau can also be enjoyed neat or on the rocks, and that's actually how it was first marketed as an aperitif. But recipes certainly abound for cocktails that allow its orange flavor to play a leading role. So in summary, what do I think of Cointreau? It is vividly orange, (laughs) is how I would describe it. It is so pure. It almost feels artificial, but you know it's not. I think that's the amazing thing about the product. It's a great example of distillation because it is entirely clear, but it's packed with flavor. It's just the essence, essentially, truly, honestly, the essence of orange distilled into a clear liquid with a small measure of sugar. It's not overly sweet. I have a sweet tooth, so I enjoy sweet liqueurs, but I appreciate the dry nature of this, the the sec part of the triple sec. And it is excellent in cocktails. It is definitely a step up from generic, cheap triple sec. Compared to other orange liqueurs that I featured on this podcast, it's different. It is purely orange. Most of the others, Grand Marnier, for instance, is referred to oftentimes as a Curacao triple sec combination with a cognac base. The same with Mandarin Napoleon. It has a brandy base to it and more flavor components than just pure orange. But for Cointreau, absolutely need to have a bottle on your bar. You will recognize it the world over. Always available. Has been for over a century at this rate. Yeah, definitely worth having. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can find the show on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to podcasts somewhere, I strive to be there. The show's also on social media. Facebook and Instagram are where I'm most active. I also love hearing from my listeners, so if there's a spirit you'd like me to feature in an upcoming episode, please do reach out. And as always, thank you for listening.